Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Ladies, this is Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio. And we are starting a new season again this year. Linda, I'm so excited. How about you? Oh, uh, absolutely. Anytime we can get on the phone and just talk about the things that are really important, it really it's it's a it's a, a real upper. It's you know it gets me all psyched up. So I'm ready. I'm ready to rock and roll. I am too. And you know, in the seasons in the past, we've done some spiritual, I wouldn't say it was spiritual work, I would say it was more spiritual exploration, at least on my part, I was really learning about the afterlife and how our soul is connected to the mind, body and spirit and kind of what those words mean. Um, You know, we use them a lot, but we don't really sit down and think about and define them. So for me, last season was a lot about learning and defining. And for those of you that missed last season, you can go to toginet.com and look up Powered Up Talk Radio. You can also go to poweredUptalkradio.com or you can go on iTunes and download the entire season from last year. And you'll find a lot of great episodes that deal with the afterlife, with spirituality. We talked to near-death experts. We talked to a shaman. I mean, Linda, we really ran the gamut last year. And of course, like Laurie Johnson came on a couple times. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. No, we had some wonderful, wonderful guests, and um, we got a lot of new insights um, and things for us to look at that we hadn't looked at before, and I think that's really important. But the real work is, you know, we can listen to it, and we can read about it, and we can intellectualize, but I don't think you really get it until you transfer it from, from the head down to the heart and really it's an experiential thing it's not a head thing well you're absolutely right it's an experiential thing but I needed the head thing I need to understand these terms because quite frankly I would read some of these books and it was like a 747 going over my head I I knew the words like I knew what the word grace meant I knew what the word um like meditation meant but I had a hard time putting those in practice because I really didn't I didn't know what that looked like what that meant to me or what it what it it you know what it felt like and so it took me I think a lot longer than it did uh you to to grasp some of these things because like for meditation and yoga I just started it last year I didn't I never meditated before and I never did yoga so those were really new concepts for me well, you know, I did a little yoga, but yoga is not for me. 
or or the yoga that I did before, let's put it that way, wasn't for me because every time that I did yoga, I tried to stretch my body in ways that it wouldn't go like everybody else in the room was doing it. And then invariably, I always like sprained something or hurt something. So I, I sort of said goodbye to yoga. As far as meditation is concerned, yeah, I've been doing it off and on for many, many, many years. But, you know, it's very hard for me to to quiet my mind as it is for so many other people out there so I don't force it sometimes I just sit quietly and I just you know I can't I focus on my breath and for as long as I want to sit there I do I mean sometimes we you know we we're going to talk about journaling um, today and I and even journaling can be a meditation you have a friend that you just met with in, in New York and she says walking down Broadway is a meditation you know anything that just puts your mind quiet is a meditation it doesn't have to be so formalized well, and that was a real eye-opener for me. You know, when I think of meditation, you know, I see people meditating on the beach out here in Southern California. I see them doing yoga in the park and, you know, all these things. And they have their yoga toys and their yoga clothes and their meditation this and their meditation that. And then I was reading these books and I, I really got myself tied up literally in a knot because it was so much pressure. And when I met with that friend this week and she talked about her last week, I guess two weeks ago, and she talked about walking down Broadway and there's so many cars and noise and taxis and the hustle and bustle and people going right and left at every which way. And that's the way she meditated. That's where she could find her alone space. That really blew my mind because I thought you had to be cross-legged, you know, tied up in a pretzel, sitting on a cushion and staring at a candle because that's all I was really presented with. Well, I think that that's, that's going to be some of the purpose of the show this, this season because, you know, I think people are so tied to, you know, some of the things that they believe are the correct way to do things. And if they don't do it that way, then they might as well just ditch it because, you know, it's not going to work. I think meditation is – what is meditation? It's about quieting the mind. That's it. I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's so much of – the spiritual thing is quieting the mind and just, you know, being, because that's when some of the wonderful things that our spirit has to teach us can come through. But believe me, I'm a prime example, and you know that, of my mind is going like 100 miles an hour, and any time I quiet it down in any way I can, it's amazing, what, you know, the, how good that you feel. But it doesn't happen all the time. And you know what? I don't beat myself up when it doesn't because that, that's counterproductive. Well, it is, and it's really stressful. I mean, I got really stressed out in yoga. I got really stressed out in meditation because I was so worried about doing it right. And I think the hardest thing for me with meditation was – you know, I'm always hooked into something. I got my iPod on. I'm looking at my computer. I'm listening to something in the kitchen. And I realize there's very little quiet time in my life, especially with two elementary school age boys and they're making noise like there's no tomorrow. Um, and I had to figure out what it meant to quiet the mind because even when I was quiet, I would be running through my, my notes. I'd be running through my shows coming up. I'd be running through my to-do list or what I need to go to the grocery store. I really had to make an effort and I could only do it like for a minute or two and I would set my timer on my phone going, okay, I'm going to get to three minutes and um, 
it took me a while, but now I can go into quiet in the grocery store. I can go into quiet in the middle of traffic. Like when I'm stuck in traffic, Linda, LA traffic is brutal. I can actually go into and still pay attention. You know, I can go into quieting <laughs> my mind. So. Yeah. <laughs> Quieted my mind. You're, you're not the going to meditation me. driving a vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> but that was hard for me. And I needed, like I used Dr. Gallenberger and you guys can check him out at just Google Dr. Joseph Gallenberger. He's got some cool meditations. They really helped me get into my space um, because I would find myself trying to listen for the waves and listen for the waves, but I couldn't hear the waves. And I'm like, ooh, my brain is quiet. Even the process of trying to listen helped me realize what it meant to have a quiet mind because I don't think prior to that, Linda, I was ever quiet. No, I love that. You know, that is all of us. I mean, it is really, really difficult because our, the, our mind and, and that talk, that incessant chatter that's going on all the time, no matter what you're doing, there's always that voice in your head saying, you know, you know thinking of the million different things. And it's really their, it's, it, I think it, they think it's our, their job to protect us, but they drive us crazy. And it's just, you know, sometimes you just want to scream and just say, shut up. You know, enough is enough. I don't need to hear this constant, constant dialogue and realize, I mean, it's, it's just us. It's nothing. It's, it's nonsense. It's BS. It's, it doesn't mean anything. And yet we, we sit here and listen. And in one of our books that, you know, that we read this summer, The Untethered Soul, it said, what if that, that voice in your head was, was a person? I mean, what would you do if that person wanted to be a friend to you or be with you? You'd say, get the hell out of here because I can't stand you. You're constantly talking. You're constantly making no sense. And you never, never stop. Well, and you contradict yourself. Like when I read Michael's book, you know, and I want to thank you for introducing it to me. Uh, Michael Singer, The Untethered Soul. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it anywhere books are sold. It's a really good book. Linda, when I read that whole thing about, you know, would you be a friend with this person? I sat down for a minute and I took out a piece of paper and I wrote all the stupid things that inner voice told me. And, you know, I met this one guy. We had a nice dinner. He didn't call me back for the first day. So I was starting to write down what my inner voice was saying well you blew it he didn't like you he didn't like you very much and well I didn't like him anyway and I you know blah blah and I was going around and around in a circle well the next day he calls and I'm like oh I'm so happy that he called then that inner voice was like of course he called because he's needy and you're needy and you know you guys are gonna have a codependent relationship <laughs> isn't that insane it's an, it's insane. absolutely insane and we do that to ourselves you know and and you know when, when you weren't sure our our we believe that our head, our brain, our psyche's job is to protect us. So whatever is happening, it, it has to make sense out of it. And it makes sense out of, it of a way that is, has no resemblance to real. We invent what people are thinking. We invent what people are doing and how they feel about us and then what we're going to do about it. Well, what if he doesn't call her? What if she doesn't call her? What if I don't get that job? Or, I mean, my God, it's, you know, it's lunacy. 
It is. It's like insane, sane thinking. You know, it's like you're insane and it's starting to make insane things. So it comes off as sane. And then you're like, I'm on this emotional roller coaster. And, um, you know, I think if we all just stop for a minute and think about one topic and think about what our inner voice has said, both pro and con, you know, we realize that this inner voice really is doing us a disservice. And, you know, you telling it to shut up, I tell mine to shut up. I'm like, shut up. You don't get to tell me what to do. I'm going to figure this out and you don't get to speak for me and you don't get to speak to anyone else. And I'm fighting with my inner voice, which makes me crazy, but it actually causes me to calm down because you, you literally have to tell it to shut up. Yeah. Or, and we'll talk about it in the next segment, stand back from it, observe it. And just because it's talking to you that does, and you hear it doesn't mean you have to listen to it. And I think the more that you just ignore it and ignore it and ignore it, it may get the message and just, you know, be quiet. It does. It starts to go away. And we're going to go away right now for commercial break. This is Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin for Powered Up Talk Radio. When we come back from the break, we're going to explore more about our inner voice and how to use it through journaling to make our lives better, because that's what we're here for. We'll be back again after the break. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. LinkedIn, it's a great tool and a great way to do business in today's social media-driven world. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady with the LinkedIn Lady Show, Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern on allbusinessradionetwork.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is designed to inform, inspire, and educate businesses. Every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose. And the LinkedIn Lady will interview a variety of guests, such as business owners who can showcase their business and talk about how they use social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. As trends change and new applications become available, the LinkedIn Lady Show will bring that information to you in an easy-to-use, fun, and engaging way. Every Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern, it's the LinkedIn Lady Show with Carol McManus on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. evening in 1929, William Lear and Elmer Wavering of Quincy, Illinois, were out driving with their girlfriends. One of the girls suggested it would be even more romantic if they could listen to music. The guys liked the idea and started tinkering with installing a home radio in the car. They sold their idea to a radio manufacturing company and applied for a loan with a local banker to get production started. Thinking it might sweeten the deal, they installed one of their new radios in the banker's vehicle. Unfortunately, the banker's car caught on fire, and they didn't get the loan. They must have felt like Dunder Klumpens. Not giving up, they drove to a radio convention and sat outside in the car with the radio blasting. Soon, orders were pouring in, and taking a cue from the Victrola, because their radio was going in a car, they called it the Motorola. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
we're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we were talking about that little monkey in our head, that inner voice, our inner chatterbox, and how it really doesn't serve us. Linda, I think most of us, I know it was definitely, you know, me for a long time, we live in this kind of distracting world. We plug in our headphones, we listen to music, we watch TV, the TV's on incessantly in my house sometimes, and, you know, there's never a moment where we sit down and be quiet, and I actually had to learn as an adult to to quiet my mind and be quiet and you know when you do this it's amazing how much inner peace you can get too because one of the things i didn't realize is that inner monkey or my own you know thought stream was causing me a lot of stress and anxiety and i felt like i was always on alert yeah that's and that's what it does because it it feels like it's it's a psyche. That's you know. That's what that that voice is. And I think that we've we've given it the most horrific job in the world, and that's to protect us at all costs. And this is how it it does it. It just keeps streaming in all of this garbage that they, it believes that it you know it's good for us, but it you know it's quite the opposite. It isn't good for us. And, you know, when we talked earlier about, you know, like yoga or meditation or journaling and the self-pressure we put on ourselves, you know, we live in a society, especially here in the United States, where it's how things look. It's how it it shows up to us and everyone else. And I know I can get a little OCD with certain color and certain way things are organized. But one of the things that I had a hard time with, and this is so funny, I had to line up my yoga mat with the wood lines on the floorboard like if the yoga mat was askew from the lines on the floorboard in the yoga studio it bothered me and I was like oh wow like (laughs) I have to have my mat a certain way and you know with journaling I I must own 20 journals beautiful ones but then I was afraid to write in them because my handwriting is bad and my spelling is bad and I I didn't know what to write and I, I I couldn't do it well, I've journaled off and on. Everything for me is off and on through the years. Um, I'm back to journaling now, and um, it's a, it's really an interesting thing about journaling. Um, I don't journal every day uh, because I don't have something to get off my chest every day. I find, and I don't know if you do or the people listening do, I want to journal when I am really pissed off. When I'm really angry, when I'm really mad, if I'm really sad, when I'm really emotional, that's when I have to get it out. But if I'm just having like a pleasant day, I don't feel the need to, to, cause then I'm gonna manufacture things, so I'm not feeling it. And again, it's not a head thing, it's a feel thing. And you know, when you're sitting there with that pen in your hand, and you're, all this stuff is pouring out of you, that's not coming from your head. No, it's coming no, from it's deep not inside of you. From your head. And it's the other thing that happens is that, you know, when you're 
upset about something and it could be something from the past. It could be the present. You could be worried about the future. All of those thoughts have energy and they like, for me, they like bubble up inside of me, almost like a geyser, you know, where they start, Mm -hmm. it starts percolating and I can feel it in my chest and it comes out in my throat. And, you know, I'd really rather not scream at my kids or my partner or my boyfriend or my girlfriends. You know, I'd, I'd rather not do that. So one of the things I did find was that especially with negative emotions, you know, fear or sadness or anger, they're really helped by putting down on a piece of paper. Yeah, they are. Um, and, you know, it's everything. I mean, the things that we're, we're maybe ups, very upset about today, uh, it's not the necessarily the things that we're upset about today. They're, they're just a trigger for things that have happened years and years and years ago. And and if we don't deal with the things that bothered us forever, then they're going to continue to bother us. They're going to continue to trigger. Um, another thing in that book that I really want to share, um, and that's what we're talking about now, are the thorns. In Michael Singer's book, he talks about we each of us have thorns. That we, you know, we have thorns in our inner body. Just like if you were going into the forest and you got a thorn in your arm, you'd want to pull it out so it doesn't hurt anymore. But these inner thorns, these emotional inner thorns, spiritual inner thorns, we, we do have the option to pull them out, but it, you know, but that takes some work and it takes uh, a resolve. And sometimes it's not easy, but boy, when you pull those inner thorns out, it, you're, you're, it's like such such relief because the 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 alternative to not pulling them out is you adjust your life in any way you can not to disturb the thorns. So whatever it is, you're going to go out of your way to do to do or not to do or with people or not with people that that will disturb your thorns. And what you do, you compromise your whole life trying to protect yourself. Well, and that thorn thing was really hard for me to understand. Like, I get it. When you have a thorn in your finger, you need to pull it out. But when you have a thorn in your psyche or in your mind or your soul, I had the hardest time trying to identify what those thorns were. And, you know, and I'm just going to share some of mine. Um, I know that I started to avoid things when people would do things with their mother because I would feel really sad and I didn't want to go there and visit those emotions. I found that I didn't want to go to family events where lots of husbands and wives were there because I felt really bad since my divorce. Um, you know, my ex-husband cheated on me, so I had a hard time trusting anybody. So I would always keep relationships with the men at arm's length and never let them get too close. And then I realized those are my thorns. Linda, you help me identify what those thorns are. And, and the only way I could figure out my thorns was to go back and think about what bothers me. Well, it bothers me to be around happy couples. Why does it bother me? Because I'm single, because my divorce was painful, and I don't want a reminder of it. And mm-hmm. then I realized, like, okay, that tells me I need to go and work on some of these things so I can get rid of 
get rid of this stuff. So I did. I started journaling about divorce. I started journaling about infidelity. I wrote blogs. I did all this stuff. And it's amazing, Linda. Now I can go to family events. I don't even notice that I'm the single one there or the single mom, or I don't really worry about, you know, these men, quote unquote, hurting me because I already survived, you know, what was traumatic in a marriage. So if I already survived it once, I don't want it to happen again. But you kind of take that emotion out of it. Yes. And isn't that, I mean, it, and it's, again, such a relief. And you can do things that you never thought you could do because the thorns were always there, not allowing you to do it. And, and just pull them out. And we all have them. And we're, you know, they, they all stem from so many different things from our childhood to right on through till yesterday or today. And, you know, it's really stupid to compromise our lives because of of that that hurt that's that's inside of you when it can be worked out right it can be and and i want to talk about the actual process of working things out and you know i used like every method known to man i did yoga i did meditation i journaled i went to a therapist and all of those modalities were good for different things i won't say there's any one end all be all but the one that was the kind of the fastest the easiest and the cheapest was just taking a piece of paper and handwriting things and linda i want to just digress for a minute here and talk about handwriting because I found a study online that talked about people who journal on a computer or journal with their hand. Now, when you write with your hand, you use 10 times the neural connections that you use when you write a comp- you know, write on a computer. So right then and there, you're actually using your brain a lot more using your hands versus using the computer. But this is one of the things that I thought was very interesting about handwriting versus the computer. The entries as how descriptive they were or evocative, meaning bringing your feelings up, they're kind of almost the same. And exploring thoughts and attitude rated almost the same. But when we got to exploring emotional issues, all of a sudden handwriting goes off the chart. And if you're just talking about your daily abilities, there's not really much between handwriting and the computer. But when you talk about problems or gaining insights or expresses profound truths, the handwriting goes off the charts. And I was able to find study after study that showed this, that there is something different that happens to us when we pick up a pen and paper versus when we journal on the computer in the kind of efficacy of healing ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I think so, too. Um, I've never journaled on the computer, uh, only, only handwritten. Uh, but, I mean, there, this is all of your energy coming through in your pen and paper. On the computer, it's plugged in. It's, it has its own energy. And, I, you know, you just want to sort of be pure when you're doing something that's so important. So, I mean, I mean, if it works for some people, I guess it's okay. But I, I do think that the, the preferential way is, is the old-fashioned way, just with a, a pen sitting quiet uh, with a piece of paper and, and letting it all hang out. 
Right, because one of the things that happened when I did both, I tried journaling on the computer and tried journaling um, handwritten. I had all the self-consciousness about my handwriting and my spelling, and then I realized, you know, nobody's going to see this plus me, and the benefit of me having bad handwriting is nobody could read it anyway. And when I was on the computer, I found I could rip through this stuff so much faster. In fact, I would rip through these emotions that it almost didn't even resonate in my brain versus when I had to think about what I was going to write by my hand. So I think the slowing down part of it is really important. Now I need to take us to commercial break. Uh, This is Powered Up Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. And we're exploring our thoughts and attitudes and trying to heal ourselves or remove our thorns, as Michael Singer's book showed us, the untethered, what was it, the untethered soul. Untethered Soul, The Untethered Soul. That's a really good read. He hasn't paid for us to promote it. We're just big fans of his book. Now, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about journaling and what it looks like and what it sounds like and the actual practices that both Linda and I use on a regular basis because if it works for us, maybe it'll work for you and we can only teach what we know. We'll be back again after the break. Lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42. Tossing pennies into the fountain of youth. If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can. With lessons in joyful living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central. Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches lessons in joyful living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. There are many positive things about growing older. Having more wisdom and a more relaxed attitude are just a few of the benefits. But one downside of aging is a decline in lean muscle mass. All of us lose valuable muscle as we grow older, which leaves some of us weaker and more prone to injury. The solution is weightlifting. Livestrong states that for people over 50 years of age, weight training can be a great way to build muscle mass, boost strength, and improve certain medical problems. According to the American College of Sports Medicine, adults under 65 should lift weights two days per week, while those over 65 should weight train two to three days per week. Weightlifting builds muscles and bone and keeps you strong. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond, keeping you healthy, happy, and fit. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up 
up with Beck and Franklin. This is for all you girls about 42. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we're going to talk about journaling right now. And I want to give some of the health benefits of journaling because I think some of these are pretty wild. Um, number one, and this is according to Psych Central, it clarifies your thoughts and feelings. Number two, you get to know yourself better. Number three, reduces stress. It can aid in weight loss. You can solve your problems more efficiently, and you can actually help resolve disagreements with others. Now, that's a really big laundry list of the outside um, things that it'll help. But I want to share, and Linda, I'm sure you've got a few too. I want to talk about the inside things that that this helps. And one of the things that it does for me is it helps me understand what's really important to me or why I'm angry because I can write down I'm angry about 50 things. But then like once I've exhausted that initial anger, I can kind of get to the real meat of the situation. And then I can think about the changes that I want to make. Like, for example, I am so tired of being snowed. And in the past, like four weeks, people have spent so much time trying to snow me or sway me to their opinion, to, to, to agree with them or whatever. And I was like, enough, enough, enough. I'm not going to read your emails. I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm not going to talk to you about the ends of the earth because you're just going to wear me down. I know what I know and I'm happy with my belief. And then I sat down and I thought, okay, I need to limit my time with X, Y, and Z. I need to limit my time with these people. And I started making this little action plan. And old San, who was running at like 100 miles an hour every day, trying to be all things to all people and take care of my kids and my dad and my company, I never would have slowed down enough to make that change. And so when I looked at planning my week, and I plan my week out every Sunday night, I sit down for about a half an hour to 45 minutes, and I plan out my week on Sunday. Sunday nights. And I thought, you know what, I'm not going to go to this group, I'm not gonna, um, you know, engage with this person, I'm not gonna do x, y, and z. And I kind of made this little plan. Um, and as a result, I've had a lot more peaceful week. Yeah, because it worked, <laughs> it worked for you. Um, but what part of journaling did that did, did made did uh, made that happen? Because I'm really not clear. Yeah, I think... I know the list, but... Yeah, I had to sit down. And I didn't sit down with a fancy journal, and I didn't sit down with a crappy piece of paper. I kind of made myself piece in the middle. And I got an 8.5 by 11 spiral-bound thing to write in so I wouldn't feel cramped. And I start things with like an I something, like I feel, or I'm mad, or I don't want. And I know they're like negative and everything, and I find it helpful if I write to my mom who's passed on, or I write to God, or like sometimes I'll just write to my angel, you know, or I'll write to my dog that passed on. Like I used to talk to my dog Misty all the time on our walks and tell her all the things that were bothering me. And she, of course, would wag her tail and tell me it would be fine. Um, but I, I use those maybe mechanisms or tools mm-hmm. so I can start talking about these things. Because there's not, like, Linda, I love talking to you. Don't get me wrong. But I do not want to call you every day and lo- unload all my problems on you. Right. I understand. Yes, because that, that's something that, you, you know, you just don't do. But 
you probably would feel worse doing it than I would receiving it because I know where it's coming from. Um, and if you love somebody, um, then it, it's not such a burden because this doesn't happen all the time. It's just a, it happens when it happens. Well, and that's where I go, we're going to, go to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say, you know, everything I read today, I did a lot of research on journaling, you know, from Tiny Buddha to, you know, the psych journal and to learn all these things about journaling, and everybody said you have to journal every day. Well, no, you don't. It's too much pressure. I don't have time to journal every day, and I don't want to dredge up feelings every day. Well, and it's just what I said, um, you know, before before break. I, I don't feel pressured to journal every day. I journal when there's something bubbling up that I want to get out. If I'm just having a lovely day and I'm, I'm doing this and I'm doing that, I mean, I, it, it's fine. The day is fine. I don't, I'm not, nothing's annoying my thorns that day. Right, and there's nothing I feel like digging in the past about because, it's not like, you know, I'm in recovery, you know, for some something and, you know, people really need to dedicate to working on themselves. I have a life, I have kids, I have a job, and yes, I need to have this introspection, but, you know, I, I can't do it every day. It's exhausting and it is not productive. No, and, and once you get to a place where <clears throat> you you're sort of can shut off your brain, or you shut off that, that, that monkey voice in your head and that you can sort of sit back from it, um, you know, things aren't, things don't get so crazy. I mean, you can help yourself, you know, just by, you know, sort of just trying to practice on that every day. You know, well, and I think that, it's situational, too. Like, I go back to, like, I, I talk at my hate journal. You know, I had that ugly lipstick cover journal that was so ugly, and I thought it was perfect for how I felt. And when I was going through my divorce, I would journal probably four out of five days a week, maybe five out of six, some days all seven. But that was because, like, there was stuff going on. I was processing. I was doing a lot. So, you know, I went with the flow. I went with what yeah, I needed to journal. I, I picked think. it up. Yeah. You go with the flow. You don't force it because when you force it, you're not going to get the benefit from it. You're just, you're creating another thorn. (laughs) (laughs) This is something I, you know, I need to do. I have to do, you know, those have tos. This is something I have to do. And the more have to do's you have, the, the less joy you're going to get out of life. Right. Well, and you know, one of the things that you helped me identify when I was out visiting you in New York and we were talking about this, about journaling, what I do is I have a certain time in the morning that I can journal. It's in between my kid drop off at school so that they're set and when my work day starts. So there's a window in there about 45 minutes and I can meditate. I can go to my yoga class. I can, can walk in the park or go to the gym or I can journal. And I've gotten in the habit of asking myself during this period of time going, what do I need today? One day I needed a pedicure. One day I needed to journal. But if I ask if there's anything I need to write about, if you just ask yourself and you say, no, I'm good, that's enough. Because you're not in denial. You just don't want to deal with it or there's nothing, you know. Yeah. And it's your life. I mean, you you have got to, you know, you're the one in charge of it. Nobody else is. And and why do we always want to make it so hard for ourselves? Right, or formulaic, a pressure. You must write every day 750 words or three pages. And, you know, no, 
I mean, I get it. Like, you know, they want to get the avoiders out there, the people who are avoiding issues to force them to sit down and do it like a child. But I'm coming to journaling voluntarily. And so and it needs to work like anything. It can't be excessive. And if you tell me I have to do anything, Linda, every single day for an hour other than like get up, get old and die, I'm going to be cranky. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, that's what the the world is telling you, you know, do it this way, do it this way, work hard, work hard, make money, work hard, do this, do that. It's it's counterproductive. And then we do the same things to ourselves, only worse, because then if we don't do it that way, if we're not working as hard as we think, or we're taking a day off or we're doing, then the, we're making ourselves feel guilty for not doing it the crazy way and we're making our it's like it's like double duty pressure coming in on us all the time the outside world and and we and we're our own worst enemy because we're listening well and the pressure you know the pressure to perform you know i looked at these journaling workshops you know there's a three-day workshop just on how to journal and i was like are you kidding me like well i get it to a point but i'm like you know, we don't have to be journaling experts. I mean, I, I, I think back to the caveman days, and I bet you there was some woman who, you know, picked up a tablet and drew a picture of her husband with a stick and then broke it apart, you know? <laughs> like the first, yes, yes. You know, but the first you know, journal. But some people know the limitations of other people, and there's a million gurus out there. I mean, honest to God, I mean, you go just search the Internet. You can find hundreds of thousands of, you know, coaches and, and, and gurus, and, and, and I'm going to help you meditate, and I'm going to help you this, and I'm going to help you do that, and I'm going to help you, you know, make money, and I'm going to help you grow your business. I mean, oh, my God. I mean, you really, you know, you really have to watch out because they, they pray on the people that feel so insecure that they need to do all of these things. And I did it. When I left Wall Street, I went to all of these, you know, master sessions and this and that. And you know what? I didn't get very much out of it. But I thought, you know, I, I've got to I've got to learn from these experts, you know. When I started, you know, my book and I started the website, I got to learn from all these experts. I the way I learn is by the seat of my pants. I try it. If it doesn't work, I'll try something else. Well, and I, you know, I like that because I think, you know, when you go to these groups, like, you know, and I go to seminars and things like that, and I like to go and get one or two things out there, but none of these people out there are the the quote unquote end all be all expert. And I think, you know, they're, they're well intentioned. Most of them, or at least I like to think they're, they're well intentioned. And especially when you're new to some of this, you know, you go there and you listen and then take a minute to think about what really works for you. You know, when I, I was working through Julia Cameron's book and for like middle aged people and I was getting so frustrated. And then I went back and reread like the first chapter and things. And I'm like, this is for retired people. I'm like, I'm not retired. I'm not going to retire for another 20 years and you know i realized that i was listening to this expert and she really is really good julia cameron wrote a famous book called the artist's way it's really yes, fun been around for the longest time yes forever but oh. i was trying to do it like a retired person with two kids and a company to run that's it we have to take who is better to take charge of our lives than we are who knows us 
who knows anyone better than yourself? I mean, it's so stupid to take all this advice and all this crazy from other people. All we have to do is get to know ourselves. And in order to get ourselves, know ourselves, we have to know who we are, who our true self is, get down to the nitty gritty of it, pull out the thorns and, and watch life soar. And only we can do it. Nobody can do it for you. I mean, you know, when you were here in New York, you said, you know, you said something very profound to me that was about, you know, that started me on the journaling thing again. Is Oh, but you, you know, know what? I'm going to have to cut you off for commercial break. Oh. You guys will want to hear what Linda has to say coming back after the break. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We are saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. Whatever do you mean, dear? Why have you taken me to our special place to eat? Sweetheart, I took you to El Charro on the Ridge tonight because I know you love it, and I wanted this meal to be the very best. Oh, honey, those fajitas smell divine. I know, my dear. Everything about El Charro on the Ridge is wonderful, just like everything about you. Oh, my sweet, sweet man. I can't stand it any longer. Let's take our love of El Charro food and each other to the next level. Marry me, darling. Baby, you don't know how long I've waited for you to ask. Of course I'll marry you. As long as you promise to take me to El Charo's on the ridge on Old Jacksonville Highway by Brookshire's Fresh. Anytime I want, I'll be yours forever. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin. And when we left last segment, we left you with a cliffhanger. Uh, Linda was talking about our time together. The two of us got together a couple weeks ago in New York City, and we had a blast. And, my gosh, I think we talked the whole time. I don't think there was a time we didn't talk. But you wanted to share something with us about, about you know, journaling and our time together. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, we talked and we talked and we talked, and that was, I mean, sometimes that's very, very, you know, therapeutic, just letting someone talk and you're just there to listen to them, and um, and that's what happened between us. 
But, you know, I'm always um, very, I, I have been very frustrated because I've, you know, I've been doing this work for a long time, and I'm very, um, I've read, you know, a, a zillion books, and, you know, I understand it, although I've never really experienced some of the things that you've experienced or that um, our other friend, now I can say our friend, has experienced. And and um, so that always kind of frustrated me, uh, but you said to me, as we were having dinner that night, you said everything that you want to experience is just below the surface, but you have got so many layers, and you called you called them pancakes. It's like oh, you you felt like you saw a stack of pancakes, saying there's so much, there's so many pancakes there that it's not allowing what you want to come through. And I got that. I got that right away. And that's why I'm journaling now, because I want to get rid of all of that. We have an, I, a name for it. It's not an original name. It's a name I came up with. But when I Googled it, I saw that I wasn't the originator of the term. But it's like emotional hoarding. And all of this stuff that we've had from, you know, from day one that we were born to now, if we don't get rid of it. It is just sitting there in our psyche because if we haven't dealt with it, we just push it down and push it down. And then the, the pancakes that you said that, you, that that are in meat, they form. And then the things that you want to experience, you know, kind of the, the messaging and the, the whatever you want to call it, that, that connection with the soul, it, it, it's there. It just can't come through until you make space for it. And that, you know, and that's what I think the journaling is is going to do is make space for it, because I can get, ri- you know, by journaling it, I can, I can get rid of some of those layers, so that there's room for something new. Well, and I think that's really important, you know, for these layers, because that's one of the things that, like, you know, I learned when I was was in therapy with this great lady, Vicki, who I just owe so much to, is she would always peek under the layer. She would, we'd be talking about something, and she'd ask a question, and we'd kind of go a little deeper, and kind of go a little deeper, and, you know, sometimes these things went back, many times they went back to me in sixth grade, or me in second grade, and I could really, um, you talk about those thorns, you know, that are in there, we keep putting, you know, in my case, pancakes, but, you know, we put band-aids over them and then we, we put a blanket over it. And then when we can't put a blanket over it, we build a, a house around it. And if we can't put a house around it, we build a bridge over it, you know, and we keep covering this stuff up and it gets buried really deep. And, you know, for some things, I think you need a professional therapist or a good counselor or a psychologist or, you know, somebody who's skilled in this stuff that can ask the right questions. That that kind of was the speed track for me. I don't know if I could have gotten to where the root of some of this stuff was as efficiently just with journaling. So I, you know, invite people to mm-hmm. use their health insurance. You know, everybody has health insurance coverage with some writers for mental health. And so, you know, check out your policies see if you have those or their sliding scale you know there's a lot of places you can go to AA meetings are another good place to to you know learn about yourself but um you got to do it and I think you know when we talk about emotional um hoarding 
you start to shut off after a point. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that. We're going to do next week. We're going to do a whole episode on emotional hoarding, but what are some of the signs, Linda, that you found? I know I have my own that I, that I'm holding on to some emotional things that I don't want to deal with. Because I mean, it doesn't happen every day, but certainly, and not with every person, but certainly with somebody that you're very close to, whether it be a husband, a wife, or a child, or or sister or brother. I don't have sisters or brothers, so I have to. It's it's they do something, and then you say, okay, well, this isn't worth a fight or paying attention to, or I'll let them get away with that. Or and you so you say it once and you say it twice and you say it forty two times and then eventually they're going to just look at you cross eyed and you're going to explode because it's it's, yeah. it's the trigger and it's it's the hurt and it's the anger and it's the sadness and it's all of those things that you just you know you and people if someone was just watching you then you say you're going off the deep edge but it's all all these things accumulate and then they have to eventually get out or i think you're going to die and I, and i really think if you don't pay attention to these things eventually it's going to hurt your physical body because how much can you carry around it, you know, and in my case, I mean, a lot of people remember their childhood very, very well. For whatever reason, I don't. So I can't isolate an event and say, oh, that must have been something that made me this way. I mean, I can think of a few, but, you know, when, you, when you're building up layers from when you're a young child, I mean, and then the it, it just influences the people that you choose when you get older, choose, you know, who you choose as a mate, who you choose as friends, who you choose as, as you know, the kind of work that you do. I mean, it, it, it's no accident that you, you sort of go along the path. And if you're, if you're an emotional hoarder and you're, you're, you, you know, you're kind of hardened because that's what you had to do to survive, you're going to pick people just like that, because if anybody was not like you and, and, and pretty free and would shower you with, with affection or all this emotional love, you would probably eat them up alive because you wouldn't know how to handle it because you never did. So, I mean, and that's, that's not good, and it just makes your life not, you know, not what you want it to be. But in order for all of that to change, you have to go in and figure it out and say, no, not anymore, I am going to unload. And if you cry and you scream and you, you, you know, all the things that you need to do to, to lessen that burden, you just got to do it. Because otherwise, I mean, there is no otherwise. You're going to live a life that isn't, isn't fulfilling and, and, and you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be, you know, in touch with your soul's purpose of being here in the first place. And you're just going to be so blocked. And gosh, we just... We just want to open up that passageway so that we're not blocked anymore. I mean, I don't know how to say it any clearer than that, but, you you know, you just get to a point where you just say, I, I don't know what i got to do, but i got to do it. Well, I agree. And I, mine, for me, it was a little different. I was starting to get really curious as to, like, why were other people reacting a certain way and I'm not? Like, 
I started to think there was something broken in me because I wasn't feeling anything. You know, I, I started to like, you know, people would be upset or angry and I wouldn't feel anything. And then, you know, something would happen and I wouldn't feel anything. And I thought, Oh my gosh, like what if my feelers broken, you know, I'm like, and what happened was I think it just got so weighted down by everything that I just stopped feeling. And it wasn't like I stopped feeling in just one aspect of my life. It affected my kids. It affected my work. I just didn't feel anything anymore. And that was really scary to me. Yeah, no, I, I'm, believe me, we're very, very similar, um, because that hap- that's happened to me too. And you also, you know, you think that you, you know, you have no compassion. And yet you really don't feel anybody else's hurt or pain. And it's like, holy moly. I mean, you know, what's the matter with me? I mean, over the years, I've had friends. And um, maybe, you know, they weren't my close friends, but they were people that we would socialize with. And and if it, if if something happened and we didn't see them again, I I, I mean I, I I could care less. I could it's care amazing. less. It's amazing. Yep. You know, it's just like you write them off and you say, okay, um, th- that was then. This is now, and I I don't miss them at all. And um, I you know that's happened to me on several several <laughs> several occasions. And I said, well, you know, it's just it's just who I am. Yeah, but it's not. And once you not. once you start, um, like for me, once I started on this journey and kind of unloading all the things I'd been hoarding, I felt freer. I felt lighter. I could go and chit chat. Like one of the things that I lost was my ability to chit chat. Like just have a nice little chit chat with the other moms at school. Like I would stand there like a stump, going, "I have nothing to say," which is shocking since I'm on the radio every day. But I had nothing to say. Yeah. Because you felt it was like, you know, why bother? They're not going to get... Sometimes I say, why bother? Because, you know, we, we don't have anything in common, and anything I'm going to say, they're not going to get anyway. So. Right, <laughs> we'll and it's just like... Get out of here. Yeah, and that's not the way we want to live life. We want to interact yeah. and have fun and, you know, be part of something. But you can kind of feel yourself, like, like just dissolving or, or evaporating. You know, it's it's just tough. It, it is tough, but you know, I think that the first, I think the first step, and and this is the first, is realizing what you're doing to yourself, uh, realizing that there is a way to make it stop, and you have to do the work. And when you do the work, I think life is going to be so much different that you're not going to recognize it. And I think you're feeling some of that already. I am, I am. And you know, I've got to take us to the end of the show. Uh, for those of you listening today, I invite you to tune in next week or to look for the second episode um, called Emotional Hoarding that we're going to have for this year. And we're going to really talk about, you know, what this looks like, what it feels like, and what are some things we can do uh, with this and how to open up our closed hearts. We talk a lot about open hearts. We see that everywhere. And for me, I had a year-long quest of figuring out how to open my heart. I was ready to to use a can opener um, <laughs> by the end of the day. I just I couldn't get it. So I really encourage you guys to check out our next show uh, coming up next week or check us out on iTunes. This is Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin for Powered Up Talk Radio. If you like this show, we've got almost 150 hours on uh, iTunes, so you can check this out for this episode and other ones like it. We'll be back again next week. 
We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and 